0: Yeah, I think, you know, kind of it it points to the fact that St. Mary's is getting a higher caliber of player now than we're three or four years ago. You know, the, the freshmen coming in are, are, are better players. They're ready to go. Hey,
1: everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. I'm Zach Farmer. All 10 teams in the WCC are in action today, starting at 11 a.m., the first game of the entire college basketball season Pacific at Stanford. And we have a slew of games this week, some really good matchups and we'll start to dive into some of those key games and then also start to dive into what some of the, like the I think for me, what are going to be some of the key components to look for in these first few games. And then also later we'll be talking with Alex Jensen, the St. Mary's play by play guys, and we'll go over kind of some of the expectations that we think that we can see from this team and some early things in this season that you should kind of keep an eye out for and what some of these early matchups are going to be and this is a tough this is a tough opening week for St. Mary's and we'll start to get into all of that but first let's start to kind of look at what we have for this coming week every each of the 10 teams And the WCC has at least two games to start it off. BYU will be playing both Idaho State and then they have a tough one at San Diego State on Veterans Day on the 11th. Gonzaga has North Florida tonight and then will be playing uh, Michigan State in the Armed Forces Classic. And that will be an interesting one. We'll review that matchup in a bit. LMU with Life Pacific, Riverside, and Davis. Pacific will be on the road for both their matchups at Stanford today and then at North Dakota State. Pepperdine with Rice at Fullerton, then Alabama State. Portland with Lewis and Clark, Florida A&M, and and Portland State. St. Mary's, again, as we talked about, and we'll go over this, they have three of the better mid-major programs in the country in Oral Roberts, Vermont, and North Texas. San Diego with sonoma state florida gulf coast and njit usf with texas southern cal poly and uc merced and then santa clara with two games on the docket eastern washington and georgia southern so as look as i'm starting to look at this schedule look at the first week of games and everything else i think there are a few things that kind of jump out as far as things to look out for and and I think the first thing is looking at this matchup of of St. Mary's against, some pretty tough guard guard experience and then also some high level play. And as we know going into this year, Tommy Cousy is gone, and so the the that competition at the point guard spot between Augustus Marshallonis and then Aiden Mahaney is going to be a big component early on in the season. And we're going to see kind of like how this team starts it off, who's going to be in the starting lineup, who's going to be finishing games, who's getting kind of the bulk of the minutes. I think there's a lot of different things that we're going to be able to see. And they bring different things. And has kind of been repeated over and over of the different aspects and the different types of play that they have. And we'll get into a little bit of that with, uh, with Alex in a bit. And again, so I think that's one of the components to really look for uh, this week is going to be like that point guard play from St. Mary's who's car, who's who looks like they're already a better fit into what, what the Gales are going to want to do. And then who might be taking those strides, at least in these first few games, because again, there's a lot of tough competition in these first few. I think the other one, to, the other one right now, I think for me is going to be Pepperdine's defense a lot has been made about the talent that this team has. And this and the waves have a ton of talent between, between Mike Mitchell jr. Between Houston Mallett and between uh, Max Lewis. And this team was the worst defensive team in the league last year. So this is a challenge for them. This is going to be, I don't think an overnight solution. I think we're going to see some growing pain still from this team and Opening with Rice, being at Fullerton and having Alabama State early on, I think are three three opponents in which Pepperdine should do pretty well against. And so there are opportunities for them to grow on the defensive end. And I think that will be a key component to see how much have they grown over the summer. How much do we expect them to be better than they were a year ago on that front? Because the athleticism is there. The talent is there. It's how 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 quickly can they put these pieces together, and we're going to get a pretty quick look at all of that. And then, how can Portland build off of what they did a year ago? Again, three very winnable games for Portland: Lewis and Clark, Florida A&M, and then Portland State. All of these should be should be wins for Portland. But what does that growth look like? What how do they start to incorporate Joey Saint Pierre? How how much are we going to see the balance from the Tyler Robertsons, the Mike Meadows, the Moses Woods, and like how that's gonna all balance? I I just I'm gonna guess much like last year, we're going to see it from night to night, next one night to the next one, that someone else is kind of taking the lead role. And that is one of the nice things that Portland does have is that there is kind of that balance. But now getting that consistency, getting that consistency, I think is going to be the, an early, early key for, for the Pilots. All right, and as I go into the next point, this is going to be this is about BYU. And I think there is a lot to be said about the first matchup that they, their big matchup this week, and that being San Diego State. BYU is a team I have been fairly critical of all off season because it does seem because it appears that not a lot has been done or that not enough has been done to kind of fill the gaps that this team had. This was a team that was thin, thin on the front line. I don't think that's changed much. This is a team that really struggled offensively outside of Alex Barcelo a year ago. I don't know if that's been completely solved. I, now, the addition of a Rudy Williams, I think, helps that, but I, but we need to see it in action. And San Diego State is an opponent they will see down at the Vieja Center on Friday and look like that they're going to be an improved team from a year ago. This was a team that was still one of the best defensive teams in the country, and they have been for the last few years. They were picked... Um, they were ranked 19th in the in the preseason AP poll so there's high some high expectations of this Aztec team we know we know some of the names the Matt Bradleys who is returning gr- great score for for them nathan mensa who is who is that anchor anchor in the key for this team but then they have a few transfers that are that are supposed to be able to help them on the offensive end Jaden, Jaden Ladee from TCU, Micah Parrish from Oakland, and then Darian Tremel from uh, Darian Trammell from Stanford. Uh, it's not Stanford, uh, Seattle. All of whom look like that they should be able to provide an offensive punch, a little bit more, an additional level of toughness to the San Diego state team. And, and this is a team that did not need a whole lot of help on the defensive end where they struggled at times was on offense and they had long droughts last year where they went without scoring. And one of the teams that actually did really well against, against them was BYU. When they met up last year, BYU won the game 66, 60. They held San Diego state to 39% shooting. They held them to, to three for 22 from three. They were nine for 19 from the free throw line. There was not a whole lot that went right for San Diego State against BYU. But I will say this: looking at this matchup, looking at the way that these two teams are going to line up, San Diego State just returns so much more of the roster we saw a year ago. And some of the some of their more key pieces. Again, Mensa returns, Bradley returns and of the 66 points from the game last year only 15 of those points returned. Alex Barcelo is gone, Tejon Lucas is gone. Gavin Baxter contributed to to the matchup last year. Seneca Knight had 8 points in that game last last year. A lot of the offensive output from a year ago is no longer with, no longer with BYU and so that's going to be a challenge for them to find it quickly find that source of offense. If it's going to be the Jackson Robinson, if it's going to be Rudy Williams in these first couple of games, they, this is a big one for, for BYU. Not to say that this is like the one opportunity that they have because BYU's schedule overall is good. Like their non-conference is still one of the better ones in the WCC. And they're going to have some tougher games down the road. They have the battle for Atlantis in a few weeks. So they're, so it's not like that this is like their, their only shot at a good quality opponent. This is a, but this is going to be a big... This is an early litmus test for BYU. Where are they? Have they returned to some of the form which we had seen over the last few years? Or is there still a lot of question marks? Are there question marks? What are the question marks? Can we expect Fus Traori to make that next leap? Are we going to see... A tiki, Atiki make an impact in this game, and I think with with the likes of Nathan Mensa, we can't, they they're going to need him to play some critical minutes. I think they're going to need some some production. They're going to need more on the offensive end from a Gideon George. I think they're going to need more on the offensive end from a Spencer Johnson. Again, one of the, the other keys for BYU is that Trevin Nell is not going to be available for this one, so. Finding where that offensive punch is going to come from early, I think is important against especially a San Diego State team, which is going to put the clamps on you and put them on you early. And as we think about like the, the, Veterans Day games, the games that are going to be happening on that day. And there's a few WCC has a few games that'll be happening. There's one, two, three, four games on, on Friday. One of which is one of the more interesting games I think is, is going to be Gonzaga against Michigan state on the deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln in San Diego. It's part of the armed forces classic. It's not the first time Gonzaga has played on the deck of a, of an aircraft carrier and this one is going to be this one to an extent is a little bit of a clash of styles but this one really does lean to me to be a heavily gonzaga favored game michigan state it doesn't have that star power and typically they don't like there's usually not too many guys on a michigan state squad where you kind of like point to them and they're Gonna be a household name. That's not kind of how they're usually built. They're they're gonna to be tough. They're gonna to be scrappy. They're going to be they're going to be a tough challenge. And and the key point for them is going to be this two headed point this two headed uh, point guard battle between AJ Hogard and Tyson Walker. These two have kind of like shared the bolt load of the minutes over the last year at that point guard spot, Hogard averaging 4.8 assists, Walker averaging 4.3. And the duo combining to have like a, t- a two, basically a two to one assist the turnover ratio. This is, so they're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to be a tough, tough matchup, I think for Nolan Hickman and for, for Rashear Bolton, trying to make sure that they can, they can almost like, can they trip these guys up because these, this is a pair that know how to take care of the ball and both Hickman and Bolton are very good at disrupting that sort of, disrupting point guards. They're very good defensively. And I think that's going to be a big key in this Michigan state matchup. If they can start to kind of, if Hickman and Bolton can control the tempo, I think that's going to really turn the tide early on for Gonzaga, especially when you also like between just those two, once, You get Hunter Salas off the bench, and he he starts to be able to contribute in that way. I think you're going to see Gonzaga really start to take off in this game. Because early on, I see like the advantage is going to be what they can do in the post. And kind of like we saw with the Texas game last year, I expect a game like the Michigan State game where Drew Timmy can kind of go off. He can really start to explode in this one and allow everyone else to kind of fill a role. I, this is one I'm like, I'm expecting a big game from Timmy early on in the season. Again, like first couple games, we got that 40 pointer from him a year ago. This to me seems like probably more of the fit for that. Also, because if you're going to be outside and actually dealing with the elements, uh, I'd expect the shooting to not be actually as great. Uh, I mean, if it's a because if it's a little windy out out there on the water, I could see three pointers not being as as reliable a source of offense, which again makes makes it actually probably a little bit more of a post a post heavy game, so a Drew Timmy or an Anton Watson sort of game, as opposed to Gonzaga just just barreling threes threes throughout the course of the game, so not as much a Julian Strother or a Rashir Bolton game. I think this will be primarily played inside. And also, Michigan State is an undersized team, and this is, again, like, with the way Gonzaga's built, the way they have the roster put together, I I see this going to be a pretty physically, pretty physical game, and it's going to be focused on on the interior and the other big matchups this week i think most matchups are not there's not a huge one i see outside of the the kind of the trio of games that saint mary's will have again oral roberts north texas and vermont you have a two the two-time all-american at oral roberts max you have north texas who is one of the better defensive teams very similar to st mary's in a lot of ways and then also vermont who is the the class of the america east and as we get into that uh i'm gonna gonna bring in alex jensen and we'll be able to talk with him about what we should expect where we see where he thinks the gales are right now and where we think these games are going to go in this first week all right, I'm joined by Alex Jensen. He is the voice of the St. Mary's Gales. You can hear him on all the broadcasts uh, throughout the course of the season. Alex, how's it going?
0: Good, Zach. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm ready to get it going.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. It's great to talk with another Gale and to talk to some Gales basketball. Uh, and let's kind of start right off the bat with where we were left off last season. I, this, I mean, it was a banner year off of a season where there were a lot of question marks uh, just the full season ago where it's like, okay, could this team have enough offense? What was this team's identity? And as that year went on, we just saw how good that group could be five seed in the NCAA tournament. They beat Indiana there in the first round at, beat number one, Gonzaga are undefeated at home. Just kind of t- just building off of last season, just kind of talk about where, where it kind of like felt like the team was right at the end there.
0: It was a banner year, you know, I mean, it really I think if you really paid attention and it was I know it was tough for a lot of Gale fans in 2020 just because, you know, the injuries and the pandemic and there's so many factors that went into that 2020 year. I thought it was going to be a little bit of a transition year anyway when you know you look at what St. Mary's lost from the year before and now is that going all the way back? I guess I was going all the way back (laughs) to Jordan Ford and Malik Fitz, uh, you know, departing the program. So you really had a, a transitional year. But in that 2020 season, You know, I really felt like under the radar, they gained a a toughness and a really, really, and I thought they were just a really good defensive team. Their pieces fit well together. They have, you know, now what everybody knows is one of the best on ball defenders in the conference, maybe even the West Coast and Logan Johnson. And so, I, you know, I I thought that that was flying under the radar a little bit. Now, a lot of guys got better going into last year. Johnson became, by the end of the year, kind of a go-to scorer. He saw what Alex Dukas could do, you know, Mm -hmm. when he remained healthy. Tommy Cousy took another huge leap. Uh, and obviously, yeah. Matthias Toss was much better in just kind of scoring around the basket. And those guys have played together for three years, even going back to that team with Jordan Ford and Malik Fitz. All those guys were on that team. And then you had a few other guys kind of take a step up. You know, Dan Fotu had an amazing start to the season. Kyle Bowen went from shooting 28 from three to 39% from three. I mean, that is a big, big difference. Um, And then, you know, Mitchell Saxon was a year better as well when you talk about uh, backing up toss at the five. So, uh, yeah, you know, again, I thought they were flying under the radar a little bit after that 2020 season. I didn't see a five seed in the NCAA tournament coming, uh, but they just kept continuing to get better. And that, you know, that just... uh, you look at Randy Bennett and what he's been able to do at St. Mary's and last year was a well-deserved coach of the year honor because he didn't panic. Mm-hmm. He didn't go out to the transfer portal and, you know, flip over the roster, even despite what 2020 looked like. I feel like he knew what he had and uh, it really kind of played out into a best case scenario. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, a lot of guys got better, but. You know, I think a lot of the credit goes back to Randy Bennett and this coaching staff. It's just sticking with that club, sticking with those guys, and understanding that there was a much higher ceiling than they showed in twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this, yeah, like I was one of the the, the skeptics, the cynics about what last year could have been. Yeah, and, rightfully so. And yeah, there were. I mean, but just just the way that this coaching staff was able to kind of de- develop a lot of these guys, and really the the work that all the up and down the roster those guys put in to be able to kind of get to that level i mean i again tommy is kind of the prime example of like that one guy who you look at his career numbers and you look at last year it's just like night and day he was it was like a different player a year ago uh this past season and parlayed that into actually having an nba job now and that's kind of the craziest thing i think this the the whole tommy koozie story of where he was at the beginning of last year to where uh he is today it's like it's it's kind of a crazy crazy just come up story
0: no question and you know just looking at Tommy's numbers from last year he shot 45 percent from three I mean this is a guy that just a year ago maybe two years ago you kind of hold your breath as a Gale fan right when you know he let one fly from the three but he turned into you know 45 percent is an elite number you know we we always knew that he could play make and run the offense but you know, he was and this is not a cliche after a shoot around. He was the last guy in the gym getting shots up, even as a 60 year senior. So it's 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 Randy Bennett. It's the culture that they've created there. Uh, when you have a guy like Tommy Cousy, who is is still putting in the work to get better. And as you said, you know, now at least getting a crack at what we think will be in the G League. I mean, who saw that coming a year ago at this time?
1: And looking at this roster going into this year, you still have a lot of the guys coming back. I know like a lot of like a lot of pundits, a lot of people have pointed out, yes, uh Toss is gone, Photo's gone, Kuzi's gone, and not to minimize their impact because those are three big pieces to this roster that are gone. But there's a lot still here. And I think what's really exciting about this group is not just the returners, but just the slew of new guys who are going to be coming in and a freshman class who might be getting more run than we've seen in most freshman classes we've seen under Randy Bennett. Just kind of talk about like what, what you've heard from coaches and what you've kind of seen to this point of what the new guys might bring. The Aiden Mahanies, the Chris Howells, the the Josh Jeffersons, uh the the Harry Wessels. Like this this group looks like it's going to contribute early.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, kind of it it points to the fact that St. Mary's getting a higher caliber of player now that were three or four years ago you know the, the, the freshmen coming in are are, are better players are ready to go uh you know kind of right away so I mean if you start the guard line right I mean obviously the big loss is Tommy Cousy uh you know along with Matthias Toss but um you know don't forget Augustus Martialonis started you know double digit games last year so you have a nice healthy competition with he and Aiden Mahaney um, and, you know, you throw Chris Howell into that mix, and Chris Howell's a guy that can play anywhere from the one to the three. He can probably guard anywhere from the one to the four. And just it, it, I, I just feel like, you know, watching, especially, you know, Augustus and, and Aiden, the two guys that are probably going to be sharing that opposite guard spot, you know, with Logan for the most part, at least that would be my assumption, I feel like their skill sets complement each other pretty well. You know, Augustus is kind of more of a distributor, right? He's, he's more of your, your pass-first point guard. You know, I've heard in Mahaney, like, you know, I mean, Randy Bennett kind of compared him a little bit to a similar style of players, Mickey McConnell. He can really shoot it. Uh, he's a true point guard, but, you know, he's a scorer, too. So, um, you know, I think those two guys, their, their skill sets complement each other really well. And, you know, then you throw in Chris Howell, who, you know, Coach Bennett has likened a little bit to Stephen Holt. He's six 6'6". Uh, you know, he's a guard, but you can put him at the three. His, his shot has improved. Um, tremendously since the time that, that he came on campus. Now, I don't know if he's quite a reliable three-point shooter at this point, but, you know, he's, he's a guy that if he has an open look, they want him to take it. Uh, and again, six six, a guy you can handle. You can put him in the ball screen. Uh, he sees the floor well. Uh, so you've got, you know, with those three guys, and especially, as you mentioned, you know, going back to your question, the two newcomers in Aiden and Howell, although Howell spent a year as a redshirt last year, you've really you've really got some depth there. Um, you know, Joshua Jefferson's a 6'9", six, 6'8", six, uh, you know, four-man from, from Vegas, as you know. Uh, Built really well. His body is ready to go. Um, and, you know, he's he's got a really nice offensive skill set. Really good passer. Uh, you, can, you know, he's got range out to three. We'll see how much he's able to contribute. You know, it's fun watching him in practice, having to go up against Kyle Bowen. I mean, that is not an easy challenge uh, for a freshman going up against, you know, another one of the best defenders uh, in the league. And I think Harry Wessels is is going to see time this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, you know, Mason Forbes is a bit of an unknown, I suppose, you know, he really hasn't played in two years at Harvard with 2020 being canceled in the Ivy league. And I know he battled injuries mm. last year. So how ready is he to go? That's kind of an unknown right now, but Harry Wessels is a legit seven one. I mean, this, he is a big dude. And, you know, I think Mitchell Saxon, you know, if he takes that next step, I think he's primed for a big year it hasn't been an easy battle for him in practice either. So, you know, I think you're seeing definitely two spots where you have freshman newcomers that are going to contribute right away. Uh, and that's at the guard spot with, you know, Mahaney and Howell and at the five spot with Wessels. In in some form or fashion, uh, you know, we're going to see freshmen in those two spots in this rotation at some point in the year.
1: And maybe this kind of like goes into my next question of like, who's, from what you've seen, maybe what the coaches have said, like who's been really like, the guys who are going to like stand out who might make that next leap. Because I, uh, one of the guys that like, I kind of think of is like a Mitchell Saxon type where we saw yeah. the flashes a year ago uh, and now he's going to be able to have that full-time uh, responsibility to, to be at the center spot. It is is it someone like him or is it someone else that you might've seen or have heard that might be making that next step?
0: Uh, you know, I think Mitchell Saxon's a great call. Uh, you know, obviously the numbers per 40 last year, backing up toss were, pretty darn good. He's got a different skill set than Matthias Toss. You know, Toss was a big body, knew how to, you know, very good defensively, but in a different way. It was more body position, you know, floor position. Uh, his his ball screen coverage was very good offensively. You know, he's, he's more skilled. I think it took him a little while to become a good finisher around the rim. And I think we saw that last year, but really good passer, high basketball IQ. You know, Mitchell Saxon is more shot blocker rebounder you know scores in the post Uh, I think you know as a freshman he was a better finisher and as a sophomore he was probably a better finisher at that point in his career uh, than Matthias Toss was so it's just a different skill set but like you said you know we've seen glimpses of that I think you know whenever you have a younger big and you know even though Saxon's a junior in terms of playing time he's still a younger big it is Foul trouble, right? You know, how, yeah. how are you able to guard the posts uh, and, and kind of, you know, understand what you can do, what you can't do, especially with your hands uh, and guarding post ups and not pick up those ticky tack fouls, right? It took Matthias Toss a little while to figure that out, if you remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his freshman, sophomore years before the injury, you know, he was a little bit foul prone. So we'll see how Mitchell Saxon uh, is able to adjust in, in, you know, in in that part of the game. I'll give you another name uh, that. You know, I think will might surprise people this year. That's Luke Barrett. Uh, Luke Barrett is is you know a six six third year guy, redshirt sophomore from from Piedmont. Uh, but with the departure of of Jabe Mullins, you know there's a little bit of playing time there, opening up mm-hmm. that three position behind Alex Dukas. And you could even slide Dukas to the four if you want and make a really small ball lineup. But Luke Barrett does a lot of the things that get you on the floor for Randy Bennett. He rebounds, he defends, he plays hard. And those type of things are infectious, you know? I mean, does he have the same type of scoring upside as a guy like Alex Dukas? Probably not. But he does things that help you win in a similar vein to a Chris Howell or a Kyle Bowen. And that's that's another thing I wanted to mention about mm-hmm. Chris Howell. You know, we were talking about that newcomer, um, in that newcomer segment, the same thing goes for Luke Barrett. These guys just do things on the floor that help you win. Much like Kyle, we've seen Kyle Bowen do over his three years. So you're right, Mitchell Saxon, I think, is in there. And outside of the newcomers, I think, Luke Barrett has a chance to play a very big role in this game and on this team. And if you remember back to that USF game at home, uh, Luke Barrett played a very big role with Alex Dukas limited to, you know, just a handful of minutes with back problems. It was him and Jay Mullins uh, really playing a a big role, but Luke Barrett was, was a guy that was counted on down the stretch. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that this season.
1: And I, I, I agree. Like I've really liked what Luke Barrett has been able to kind of provide to this point. I, it does look like he's going to, be be able to provide critical minutes. I almost think of like that he, that he's going to be one of those almost like a secret weapon of, of sorts yeah. buried there in the bench. He's not the most flashy guy, but he gets the job done. He plays those he does as you point out. He does all the winning things. He does the little things that help you get help you win. This I'm just looking up and down this roster and to me on the outside this looks like maybe one of the deepest teams Randy's ever had, if not the deepest that he's ever had. What's your kind of read on like, just like the depth of this team. Cause we know like typically he'll go like seven, eight man rotations, but this roster looks almost 10, 11 deep to me.
0: I agree. Uh, and I think, you, you know, you, you, we can go position by position. You know, I mean, you look at the guard line and you've got four guys that you can, you know, you you can play um in you know oh obviously logan johnson mahaney marshall lonas and chris howell chris howell can slide to the three we talked about luke barrett alex dukas um you know and then you know at the four uh kyle Bolton's going to play a lot you know we'll see how ready joshua jefferson is to go i think you know the way that they've used him in practice and uh you know in some of the scrimmages this is a guy that they kind of i think have you know big things um at least in, in terms of you know later in his career he he's he's going to be a mainstay in this rotation and obviously yeah. will you know get starting minutes at 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 some point um, not necessarily this season but you know going forward and then the five we talked about you know uh, Mitchell Saxon and, and and Harry Wessels and then Mason Forbes is is a bit of an unknown so yeah i think very deep deeper than deeper than the gales man. and we've always seen randy bennett get to a 7 8 man rotation it got a little bit deeper uh, at times last year, it's going to be really interesting to see how this season plays out. You know, coach said at the tip off dinner, uh, you know, we are still young in some places. So by the end of the year, we'll be a much better team than we are at the beginning of the year. Um, so, you know, I think the rotation may ebb and flow a little bit as as the season goes along. But you're absolutely right. I think the 11th best player on this roster is better than it's been at any point in Randy Bennett's tenure. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 an exciting place to be. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah. And with, with that, now we kind of like turn to the schedule and really starting to look at what this team has to look forward to. Again, this is maybe again, looking at it on paper, this is one of the better, if not the best schedule that um, St. Mary's has had uh, throughout Randy Bennett's tenure. They had it's like looking at, it, it's like the average Ken Palm of the opponents is route like one hundred three, one hundred four, right around there. You have teams like North Texas, Houston, San Diego State, Wyoming. It's like you have half the Mountain West on this schedule and it's the upper half of the Mountain West. Just kind of talk about like what were your initial impressions of the roster and as the Ken Palm rankings came out, did did that kind of like change anything based on what you had originally seen?
0: Yeah, I think the roster and the schedule oftentimes go hand in hand. I think a lot of schools will tell you what they think of their team by the non-conference schedule. You know, Randy Bennett's talked about that when it comes to scheduling, you know, trying to forecast a year two years down the road. What are we going to look like? You know, what kind of challenge can I give these guys? And, you know, you look at this non-conference slay, as you mentioned, like an average Ken Palm of, you know, top 105, uh, there's – the only team in there that's outside of the top 150 is Southern. You take Southern out and the average, you know, without uh, forecasting that second game in the Wooden Legacy, the average Ken Palm rating of a St. Mary's non-conference opponent is 92. Um, so, yeah, it's the best schedule that I think Randy Bennett's ever had in the non-conference. I don't think there's any any debating that. And it's, it, you know, it's gotten better. I mean, you know, the merit narrative may still be out there when you went back to like 20, you know, Jock Landale's senior year when... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know really the schedule kept the gales out of out of the NCAA tournament the, the, only two real opportunities they had at a power 5 team uh, if i remember correctly were at the at the say Wooden legacy where they had lost in overtime to georgia and lost to washington state after beating mm-hmm. you know harvard by uh, 20 or something around there but you know we, we we i think we've seen it kind of building over the last few years the crossover classic pack in 2020 was some really quality teams uh you know last season let me pull up last season's schedule you know last season when okay you start off with uh you know prairie view and texas southern southern utah but then you go obviously you've got the maui you go on the road to utah state and colorado state you host uc santa barbara san diego state is in there missouri missouri <coughs> pardon me missouri state ended up being a quad two game uh and and then you know this year's schedule is is even up a level from there i mean you know, we were talking before you hit record about how when you take <laughs> last year's net uh, rankings, if you go by last year's net rankings among the top eight, top ten conferences, you know, outside of the SWAC, really, um, and some of those other, you know, schools that need to travel to fund their programs and play a bunch of the top teams, this is the best schedule in the country, you know. Um, and obviously things can change from year to year. So last year's net rankings aren't this. But even looking at Ken sure. you know, uh, and, and the numbers on this year's schedule, it's 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 really eye popping. And and St. Mary's as a program has come a long way, um, you know, in that regard. And again, I think it it tells you what you need to know about what Randy Bennett and this coaching staff think of their club coming into the year.
1: Yeah. And then this week, it it starts off this coming week with Oral Roberts, Vermont, and North Texas, three of the tougher mid major programs in the country. Uh, three, I think, believe all at least vermont and oral roberts are picked to to win their leagues north texas i think is like picked to finish sec second or first like right around there they're gonna and a lot of people have them as a potential at large uh tournament team just kind of talk about what we might see this week obviously i think like one of the things that's probably gonna be kind of pointed on is like what's going to happen in that point guard spot and that and what we're going to see from both marshall Onis and mahaney
0: yeah, well, I mean, that's the first thing, right? We're going to see right away, I mean, you know, who is at the top of this, the pecking order. You know, I think we, we know, at least in terms of starting five and some of the other rotation, you know, pieces, uh, you know, we know Logan Johnson, Alex Dukas, and Kyle Bowen are going to start. We know Mitchell Saxon most likely is going to start. But yeah, who, who's starting at that second guard spot? You know, how does that rotation play itself out? Uh, who plays crunch time? You know, again, you've got two guys in, in Mahaney and, and Marshall Onus who kind of have a bit of a different skill set. So, uh, you know, I think it kind of offers Randy Bennett and his coaching staff some options. You know, what do you need at that point in the game? How is this game going along? Um, and yeah, we're we're going to learn a lot about this team in the first three games. How do they feel? You know, Oral Roberts preseason Ken Palm, one twenty. We saw we, what they did. Uh, you know, with Max Abmas in the uh, in the tournament a few years ago. I mean, that guy has literal. You know, I mean, you hear the term thrown around a lot, but in the gym range, right? And I was talking to Joe Rayhan, one of the Gales' assistants, mm-hmm. a few days ago. He said this guy will just you know pull up from one of the volleyball lines, you know, and you don't see that a whole lot in college basketball. So, you had you know the Gales have to be ready there. Then Vermont, I, as you mentioned, perenni- perennially an NCAA tournament team out of uh, the America East. I mean, for that conference, like that's the America East Gonzaga, right? And I feel like yeah. they're always a trendy pick to, to pull an upset in the first round. And then, you, you know, you end this three-game stretch with maybe your toughest home non-conference game. In fact, yeah, probably your toughest home non-conference game in North Texas, which, you know, the way they play, it's almost a little bit like a poor man's San Diego State. You know, long, athletic, they're going to slow it down. At least that's how they've been the last few years, by my recollection. Don't score a whole lot, but they're going to make it really tough to score. Um, So, you know, some of the unknown pieces of this rotation, Mitchell Saxon, we're going to know a lot more about Mitchell Saxon after the first three games. We're going to know a lot more about Aidan Mahaney and Augustus Marshallonis. You know, how much has Augustus, you know, improved? I thought he had, you know, at times last year, uh, you know, he looked like he could be an all-league guard. There were other times where you know he kind of played his way out of the rotation. So, looking for that consistency um, mm-hmm. is going to be big. And again, there's there's pieces of this rotation that are young and, and they're gonna, that are going to get better as the year goes on. But it's going to be an awesome first three games to to really test this roster. Uh, you know, again, we 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 know sixty percent of the starting lineup. We know what those guys can do. Let's see how much better they've gotten. Obviously, Alex Duke has had a nice little run with the Boomers in the summer. Uh, you know, Kyle Bowen, Logan Johnson. We, you know we, know, we know kind of what we're going to get from those guys. What's the rest of it going to look like? And we're going to find out a lot about what they're going to look like, not against, you know, the Texas Southerns, the Prairie Views, of the world, but against legit NCAA tournament hopefuls in the first week of, of, of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right. I can't wait.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to get this going. It's it's going to be exciting. So at so as we're getting close to the season, as you start to your game day prep, like, all right, what's what's your routine? And actually, like once like for opening night, once you get to um, University Credit Union Pavilion, what's good, like what's your rundown as you're kind of getting ready?
0: Once we get to the once we get to the gym, or like leading up to that point,
1: like le- leading up, it's like the pregame well, meal, all of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i i've uh i started last year going to shoot around which which i really enjoy um gave my pre-game interview done there before I, you know leading up to that i'll have my my spotting boards done which you know have all the numbers and uh kind of like little notes about each guy but i i like going to shoot around so i kind of understand what the game plan is you know what kind of actions is are are we gonna go and that's that's one thing that randy bennett has done really well especially over the last few years is understanding what the opponent is trying to do and taking that away, kind of making you go to your second, your third, your fourth option uh, to score, you know, Um, I I think that's what the Gales have done. Really. That's, that's Mm -hmm. kind of what's helped propel them to the top of the West coast conference uh, under his tenure. But uh, yeah, so I I like to have my spotting boards done by the time I go in there, I know who I'm looking for. I know what St. Mary's plan is there. Uh, I thought they had a great plan. You know, a great example is is Gonzaga last year. The game at home, they had a great plan defending Timmy and Holmgren, and it really worked. Um, you know, just I mean, you watch that game, you can see collapsing uh, on those guys. And there were a couple tells, which I won't say right now, but there were a couple tells <laughs> <laughs> for for the Gales uh, for the Gales defense uh, when it concerns as far as it concerns those two guys. And and they were really able to execute on that. So being able to see that in real time, knowing what the plan was, and being able to see it kind of unfold and come together was really cool so i okay, uh, really bryce enjoyed Harper. going to shoot around <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey give me give me bryce harper's left-handed <laughs> stick i'd take that um, my spotting boards done get to shoot around uh do our our pre-game coaches show with mickey mcconnell record that there and my parents still live in the oakland uh you know foothills so uh, just drive over the hill kind of shower get ready to go have maybe something to eat at, at my parents house and then and then head to the, head to uh, old UCU, or as uh, McEwen, as we used to know it, but now called uh, UCU uh, University Credit Union Pavilion, and and get ready to get it going. Maybe make some last minute notes with pens on those uh, on those spotting boards. But um, God, I love game day, man. I can't I can't wait for Monday. Um, and I'm not sure, Zach, if you have been on campus recently. I'm sure you know what's going on yes. with University Credit Union Pavilion, but uh, a lot of changes, uh, you know that you know may not be as apparent to the fans you know as as the plans were 10 years ago or so but it is really going to help this program improve
1: yeah we got the the front if you haven't been there in a while has now been all cleared out it is a great yeah. um, pavilion area right in front of uh, UCU and the the back of the pavilion is being remodeled uh redone so that there will be more I is I think the the Pat, that upper patio area is going to be done at some point during the season. I don't think it's, it's going to be ready for next week, but, or am I, am I off on that?
0: I think you're right. I think uh, what I've heard is December at some time. I think that that whole thing is going to be kind of ready to go. So, um, but it's a really cool, you know, it's going to be a, a good for the fan experience at patio out there. I, I think they're going to have like a, you know, some concessions, uh, but then, you know, I think the real difference maker for all three programs that, ha- that are housed in, in University Credit Union Pavilion is that, you know, moving men's basketball to, to the back of the building, the new locker room, new video room, new coaches' offices, all that stuff is going in back there. Uh, so men's basketball move back there. Women's basketball, you know, women's basketball, women's volleyball not, right now share the, I guess it would be the north wing that North hallway of, of, uh, mm-hmm. of the pavilion. women's basketball moved to where men's basketball used to be. And then, you know, on that other side, you will finally have laundry. You will finally have an official's <laughs> locker room and you will finally have a designated visitor's locker room. So, you know, hat, you know, hats off to Mike Matoso and his whole team for, for making all that happen. And uh, it's just, you know, I know we, we kind of marvel at this all the time, Zach, but it's it's amazing what Randy Bennett and Paul Thomas and Rob Browning have been able to do, you know, with the limitations in that facility.
1: Yeah, absolutely. well, uh, oh, thanks, Alex, for hopping on. Um, I'm excited just as much as you are to get this season going. Uh, we start on Monday and um I'll I'll catch you out at uh, at the pavilion.
0: Looking forward to it, Zach. Thanks for having me, man.
1: I want to thank Alex Jensen one more time for hopping on and and talking about the gales this is this is three games i think are going to be a pretty good growing experience for this team again it's not like st mary's is going to be completely hitting the ground running i as as high as i have also been on st mary's over the course of the of the off season and thinking that they're going to be better than a year ago and i believe they will be better than a year ago you have three teams three very experienced teams mid major teams that know how to win in their leagues. Oral Roberts, Vermont, North Texas, know how to win. And each of them brings something a little different. Oral Roberts brings a little more of that star power, a little high-tempo high offense. This is a team that was, had scored the fourth most points in the country. North Texas is a, last year, looked a lot more like St. Mary's, was a defensive first team and really had a little bit more of a balanced scoring approach which is again very much like St. Mary's. And then you have a Vermont team which is going to which has a lot of depth at the guard spot, which is going to test test the test the early experience of how much growth have we seen from the, the two point guards both Mahaney and from Marshallonis early on. I think that's one of the bigger challenges. I think we saw Marshallonis struggle at times defensively. And that's why he, you saw him get pulled from games from time to time. So this is going to be, I think, it's going to give them three very different tests. I think it's going to challenge them really well throughout the course of this first week as that kind of like starts to dive into where we where they're going to be playing next week. It's kind of a little bit of a lighter week next week with Southern and Hofstra. So I I expect that they're going to try You're going to see some interesting combinations, I think, in this first week for St. Mary's. Again, you have a lot of younger pieces off this bench, a lot of younger. You're going to see younger guys get more minutes, which is not something you typically see from a St. Mary's team. I think you're going to see more minutes from a Harry Wessels, a Joshua Jefferson. You're going to see more from a Chris Howell. You're going to see more guys, more younger players, get. Pretty legit minutes from this team. Again, very different from what we have seen in the past, but very rarely have has Randy Bennett had so many young guys he could legitimately turn to to give good minutes. And that will about wrap it up. Again, we have a full slate of games today for... For WCC play, we have a number of games throughout the course of this week. I'm excited to to get into it. Again, I think that the three matchups I'm keen in on are BYU at San Diego State, Gonzaga against Michigan State, and then I'm going to say St. Mary's against North Texas on Sunday the 13th. Those are the three matchups to watch out for. I think that's going to be some really, really high-level basketball from all three of those all three of those teams. All right, and that'll do it for this week. We are we are here. Basketball is here. I'm excited, I'm sure, just like the rest of you to get this going. So until next time, be sure to subscribe. Uh, sh- share the podcast uh, with your friends, family, other WCC fans. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube to your favorite streaming service. Follow me on Twitter at by Zach. Follow me on TikTok at @postbyzach. And until next week, I will catch you later.